When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. On this episode of the Fieldhouse Files, I'll catch you up on the key items that have transpired over the last month. Touch on what was said at exit interviews, the playoffs, who perhaps you should be rooting for, and then look ahead to a very important Pacers offseason. And welcome into the Fieldhouse Files, the podcast where I take you behind the scenes with the Pacers, talk to individuals on and around the team and tell you what you need to know. I'm back. I apologize again. Season has quite honestly been a lot. So many changes. So much newness. A lot of losing. And so, in fact, I made a point to get away as much as I could over the last couple of weeks. I did work. did did get some stories up on FieldhouseFiles.com as well. But so much of us just needed a reset. Maybe you did too if you hadn't tuned out away from the team already. But... Hopefully most of the team did as well, coaching staff, players, and especially the staff members. But I did like, for example, seeing on Instagram Buddy and Tyrese spending time together in Buddy's home nation of the Bahamas after an entire season together. They're that close. And we've seen Buddy really help bring Tyrese along as well, be one of his vets from their time in Sacramento and then being with him here to finish the season in Indy. And those two, by the way, give them the credit. They were acquired by the Pacers, came to Indiana, and despite the losing ways, losing the final 10 games of the year, knowing it was about the future, those guys played in every single game the rest of the way. Every single game they were available, um, and the Pacers could count on them to perform. And honestly, I thought they were playing probably too much. I did not need to see Buddy and Tyrese play 39 minutes in a 20-point loss in April. But that was the case uh, several times, and mostly everyone just wanted to get through the season, learn a little bit, or really actually as much as they could about those guys, about the new make of the team, about maybe who's going to be the part of the core moving forward. Really, as I always joke when I'm asked about, you know, does this team or does this X team have, is anyone untouchable? I take it in a very literal sense, and I don't think anyone is untouchable. If you offer me... 20 first-round picks for LeBron James. I'm probably doing it. Being more realistic, if you offer me a fellow All-Star and four first-round picks and some pick swaps, yeah, I'll probably trade almost anybody. So in the Pacers' case, while I think the cornerstones, let's put it this way, the foundational pieces, I think, with the Pacers moving forward for certain are Tyrese Halliburton, Chris Duarte, Isaiah Jackson, and then the rest will be determined. Right now, my feeling, a sense, is that Miles Turner will be part of it. The Buddy Heald may very well be part of it. But keep in mind right now, especially if there's rumors or trade ideas, like right now, things aren't really being discussed. Right now, you're trying to look back at your season. You're trying to do evaluations on other players. You're trying to plan ahead for the draft, both in terms of where you might be selecting, because we don't know that just yet, and also in terms of who you might be selecting whenever you are on the clock. And there's a lot that goes into it and more than just this year. Um, the teams will meet with players for the fact of gathering intel, knowing 
they're not going to draft them or they won't be available when they're finally on the clock because what happens in four years or two years in free agency? Take Jalen Smith. Nobody thought he'd be available after two years. Well, teams better have their due diligence. And right now the Suns and the Pacers know what he's all about. And he was a guy drafted 10th, two spots ahead of Tyrese Halliburton, for example. He'll be a free agent at the end of this season. And teams better have their due diligence and their intel set going into free agency about him and whether they want him and be part of it and what are the problems with him what are the great successes and the upside with him for example but to kind of put a bow on this past season um, I know you were probably following you saw how awful it is but some numbers in particular stood out first of all just 25 wins it's notable to me because they had 30 players on their roster throughout the year um, with COVID exceptions and 10-day contracts, things like that. So they had more players than wins this season. Their 25 wins led to their worst record since the 1984-85 season when they won 22, then drafted second. Right now, Pacers slotted in fifth. About 10% chance of landing a spot one, two, three, and four each, about 10% of their odds. Slim pickings for pick five, about a 1% chance for nine. But that's their range. They're definitely going to be selecting inside the top 10 for the first time since 1989 after finishing 13th in the East, fifth worst record in the league. We never did see T.J. Warren this season, so he played in just four games over two seasons. Five different players were unavailable to finish this season due to injuries. A big number that jumped out to me was 400, almost 400 games lost due to injury. Obviously, T.J. Warren contributing almost a fourth of those. Had so many injuries compounded, and that's in part why I think the Pacers moved off of several players, making those three deals at the trade deadline. Several different times to close the season, the Pacers had just eight guys available, the minimum, for a game. Opponents scored 127.8 points per game as the Pacers lost their final 10 games to end the season. That was the average total for opponents. I don't know what it was, but I think a safe bet would have been over that last month was to take the opponents over and the money line. You could even parlay that, I think. That would have been the the bet of the season, I think, if you were going against the Pacers knowing what they were doing. Because it was uh, pretty typical, um, better than average. They were going to give up 120, 125 points per game there in that final month of the season as they kind of just finally got through it. Um, had 37 different starting lineups this year. Ugh. I just want to move past that. Uh, it's we, We're a little bit spoiled, honestly, because before this, the Pacers had been a postseason team before this year and last year, 25 of 31 years. So it's very unusual here where Pacers are not playing. We got spoiled in, what, 2013 and 14 where – they're into the second round of the postseason right now. And in a couple weeks, they were still playing in the conference finals. And I think in this town, which is so focused on IndyCar and IMS and Indy 500 at the end of May, few things better than when you have both going on simultaneously, Pacers and Racers. That has not been the case the last couple of years. And the attention turns to the draft, the draft lottery, and all of that. The day after the season ended, we did get a chance to hear from 14 players, all the key players, along with head coach Rick Carlisle. They spoke with a few of us at Exit Interviews, and I do give the Pacers 
credit here because this is the second straight year that they have conducted what is known as exit interviews with local reporters. Whereas other, this is a team by team basis, by the way. And previously in my years covering the team, that was not done. And so we were able to hear from those 14 players, including guys like Miles Turner, Chris Duarte, who didn't play for a month or two months to end the season. And we were able to get some clarity on their injury, on their situation, how they were feeling, how difficult it was for them to be out and things like that. Now, the head coach has always talked, and Carlisle's general message was pointed, it was direct, and it was this. It was that this season was needed. It's a reset of the franchise or the roster, but we will not tolerate it and not tolerate that losing and those performances moving forward. And, and just before I recorded this, I jotted down the first three things that came to mind of what this team needed from a macro perspective, not a specific player, not a specific position. What is lacking that in part will help this team, the team be competitive again, relevant uh, again. You're not hearing anyone on national podcasts or NBA Today going on and talking about the Pacers. In part, Pacers need to earn that again. And I think it goes like this. First, they need an identity. I'm not exactly sure how the Pacers want to play, what they want to look like, because in the past, it was easy. They might be predictable, but they were going to play tough. They were going to be competitive. They're going to be physical, um, hard-nosed. You could use all those cliches that I try to avoid, the you know, bring your hail, lunch pail and hard hat, that type of thing, blue-collar gold swagger. <laughs> oh, man. But they need an identity again. I reported that. I Not even reported. I wrote about that. It's clear as day to see, and I, I thought it was noteworthy then during exit interviews, and this is one time when players are a little bit more honest or more transparent perhaps because the season's over. It's kind of a reset, and several players on their own mentioned, yeah, yeah, we came into each night, and you had nothing to lean on. You didn't know what it might be about. That starts with an identity. Also, you need a leader. They have not had good leadership in recent seasons. It could be a leader on the team that just hadn't developed yet, and I'm kind of thinking Tyrese Halliburton when I say that, and it's not on him. I mean, he's here for 25 games. You can't really establish yourself as a leader other than kind of by actions until you even know everybody's first name and what everybody's about. And you, you can get a condo or home and settle down, those sorts of things. I think Tyrese is going to be it. He has been really, really impressive to me both on the court and off of it. But right now, I can still say this team does not have leadership. We saw the front office. Kevin Pritchard note that last year. Well, that continues into this year. Has to be addressed. Most of all, they need good health. That's obvious. Don't need to get into more of that. They need guys to be available. Need guys to be prepared and be out there and ready to go for, I don't know, 70-plus games per season. And uh, one other thing of note, by the way, is we have not yet heard from the front office and that's unusual in my 10 years covering the team I think this is the first time where the team president did not talk shortly after the season sure it's not necessarily a day after but within a couple of weeks now we're what three weeks removed from the season um, and usually that team president talks during the same period as the head coach um, one talks and the other um, my understanding though is that Kevin Pritchard will talk this month but it'll be in a few weeks it'll be after the draft lottery I think is what they're planning on. Don't know for sure, but once they uh, know where they will be picking. Um, but I wish he would have spoke after the season and then again, or Chad Buchanan, someone from the front office perspective. Uh, Kevin would be preferred, 
but talk about the season and wrap that up because then that kind of closes the chapter on this season and then look ahead to the draft and free agency whereas doing it all in one period you're kind of jamming it and all in one and I like personally this is just me personally I like a clear separation let's talk about last season let's talk about the new coaching staff let's talk about the trades that were made and why they were done and the the lasting effects and just those sorts of things before you go into the offseason and then usually a different member of the front office is made available um, before the draft and free agency as well as Ryan Carr who's the vice president of player personnel right before the draft because this is his baby that's his specialty is planning ahead creating the booklet over many years about the draft so that when the Pacers are on the clock and they are making their pick they could talk about every single player um, that they would want to consider. And so that's kind of the those circumstances. That's why you haven't heard from Kevin in that situation there. I will say this team needs more coverage. It uh, needs all that it can get. And after a highly unusual season for both the team and a redirecting of the franchise priorities, fans deserve to hear from the front office. So until now, we wait and uh, get things in order. Again, I go back to my previous point, though, is everybody need to get away and reset, and that includes them as well because just the last two and a half seasons have been jammed into what is normally like two years so there's a lot of burnout across the league and I even include people you're not thinking of probably like officials they're the ones back during harsh protocols they were still traveling commercially they don't get the chartered flights like the teams who still have to do the daily testing but have the five-star hotels and the private jet officials for example um, referees they don't have those same privileges uh, throughout a season. The real thing I will give credit to, those behind the scenes that really needed the time off. Even the coaches, though, discussing injuries. My goodness, I hope we never have to discuss who's in the health and safety protocol type thing again. Uh, the wear on the training staff, both from the injuries and COVID. Uh, and then each team has a, a designated team staffer. Maybe the captain, let's call it, of protocols. And for the Pacers case, that's Zach Eagle. Behind the scenes, you don't know anything about, but He's one of the most important people behind the scenes right now because of those health and safety protocols and and all of that. All right, some things that have happened since the end of the season and since I last talked with you. First of all, to the disappointment of the Pacers and fans, the Cavs failed to win one of two games. They just needed one win in the play game, and if so, they keep their pick. Well, they kept their pick because of the conditions, the trade protections, uh, lottery protections on that pick uh, that was transferred in the trade for Karis LeVert midseason. It had lottery protections. So because the Cavs fall in that group, did not make the playoffs, they keep the pick. It defers till next year with the same lottery protections. If they don't make the playoffs again, then it becomes a couple of second-round picks, which would not be a good-case scenario. It was a good trade still, but that – Definitely changes its value if it's two second-round picks rather than one first, especially where we thought it might be at the time of the trade. It was trending like 21st. You thought maybe it moved to 18th or so. Well, <laughs> 15th, 14th, you know, that would have been sweet for the Pacers. But instead of three top 31 picks, they'll have one top nine pick and then the first pick in the second round. That's Houston's pick. And that's coming over from Cleveland and probably was included by the Cavaliers because of this lottery protection. I wrote about on Fieldhouse Files, Pacers have added to their analytics, their data department. 
Hiring Michaela Roberts, joining Brady Baker, Sarah Kessler. Uh, you could also include Zach Chu and Spencer Anderson and that analytics, smart, data-driven group. I even looked back three years ago. Just from a data perspective, the Pacers had just one individual. They also had a, a couple analytics, but just one data individual. Now they have three specifically in data and a couple more in analytics. I also wrote about the Pacers broadcast team, Bally Sports Indiana. They were nominated for four regional sports Emmys, which is a nice honor. Now they've got to hope uh, you could win a couple of them. Uh, right after the season, one Pacers staffer moved on. You knew about it. written about it a couple months ago. Tyler Marsh, who was assistant coach in player development, uh, joined the Las Vegas Aces and Becky Hammond's staff as an assistant coach in the W. And by the way, Jenny Busick for the first week of Aces training camp. She's best friends with Becky Hammond, and I even reported Becky invited or asked Jenny if she'd be on her staff. Uh, she declined, thought about it, but declined. But nonetheless, Jenny went out there, kind of helped her get the ball rolling, observed, and did whatever she could uh, with Becky out there for the first week of training camp, and Tyler as well, uh, obviously. Pacers assistant Ronald Nord went up to Ball State. I thought this was a cool story that went up and hung out for Ball State workouts. Michael Lewis was been on the job as the men's basketball coach up there for less than a month as of that visit. And Lewis was an assistant coach at Butler for Ronald Norrid's senior season. So those two go back about a decade. Staying in touch, Norrid obviously very focused on being a head coach, running his own program, whether that's in college or in the NBA. Really wanted that Butler job. He did. He was disappointed about that. I even have heard now in the time being that Butler had really zeroed in on Thad Mata for quite a while, perhaps three, four, five months, uh, well before the job became available, and they waited and they waited to finally fire Laval Jordan, and then Thad Mata finally agreed to do it after some hesitations. He said he's is healthy. He just walks with a limp. He's got a bad foot, but he says he's healthy. So that's great news, and I'd love it for the state of Indiana. By the way, and I have a bias here, obviously, uh, but I'm very proud of Austin Parkinson. I was with him the last what, seven years in IUPY women's team, and he's taking over the Butler women's team, his old staff going with them. So it's very cool to see him get that job. But a lot of excitement with the both the men's and women's programs in the state from a college level, whether it's the women's, you talk IU, Purdue, IUPY, Butler now, and then the men's side with you know, Mike Woodson back to IU, Thad Mata back to Butler. Matt Painter still rolling up at Purdue, but they just need some postseason success. A lot of different things like that. Michael Lewis, who I touched on earlier, up at Ball State. A lot of cool things um, happening there. Uh, going down my list, I do need to address uh, one thing that was touched on, that I have not touched on, I should say, since my last podcast. It goes back to a Pacers practice in early April, one of their last practices app, actually. There's a lot went on there. I don't want to make more of it than it is and because I honestly believe it was not much and was a lot to do about nothing. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. 
Uh, I posted about it, wrote about it on Fieldhouse Files, but I did want to briefly discuss it here. And that's for one, it's Rick Carlisle's place in the organization. Yes, he has a lot of influence. Yes, he is the head coach and plans to be the head coach. But there has been wild speculation throughout the NBA community about his place. And so to go back to the beginning, I was on Kevin and Query's morning show on 107.5 The Fan. I'm on that each Thursday at 830. I'm recording this on a Thursday. I was on it earlier this morning. Well, in that early segment, and by the way, I should also note that I literally set my alarm to wake up with this show. So I'm not completely wide awake at this hour and having deep thoughts, right? My prime time's at like 9 p.m. to midnight. I'm probably unusual. You can laugh at me and send me a tweet about that, but that's my prime time, like 9 p.m. to midnight. Nonetheless, as early I was asked about this and off-season changes and what needs to be done with the Pacers. And so after a season like they had, just 25 wins, 10 straight L's to lose the season, ahead of their biggest draft in decades. And by the way, at that time, fully expecting Cavs to make the playoffs. So you would have three top 31 picks. And you know, for me, it all starts at the top. So Jake asked me, if I thought Kevin Pritchard was on the hot seat as team president, I said, I think so. I don't think he's just chilling, doing great. Everything's rolling. No worries. He'll be the president for the next three years. No. And he, he, he's got to have some uh, fire under him a little bit, if you will, after what we've seen the last couple of years. And for, number one thing, obviously, being the botch hire of Nate Bjorkren, who couldn't even hire a staff. But uh, he's done very well in trades, just not with the draft. And so you're going into a big draft time. Of course, you need to make sure you can trust the ones in charge to get it right. So that's where I was getting at with that question. And by the way, as I've, I think I'm the only one that has reported this, and I did last fall, Pritchard did give an extension before last season. Uh, I don't know how long it is, probably a couple of years. I do not know specifically. By the way, Kevin has a newborn son, born in October, um, spent time in Florida throughout the season, a lot of that. That's no surprise. Everybody in the league knows that, and we talk about it. Uh, I briefly discussed that in another follow-up question, but I noted it as a life, his lifestyle uh, was part of the reason I referenced. And that's one thing I do regret, um, because that's all I meant by lifestyle, is spending time away from the team in Florida sometimes and has a newborn. I do wish I was more clear about that. But that's what I was getting at there, and I know it definitely angered Kevin and definitely angered Rick at the time. Uh, the thing with Rick, though has been discussed by media members, scouts, executives for months, going back a few months into the season. I remember a national scout I talked with, and the first thing he said to me at the Big Ten tournament in early March was, who do you think Carlisle is going to hire as head coach? I kid you not. That was the first thing he said to me. So I, I didn't bring that up with him. That's what they're all discussing. And then there's more speculation and things like that. But it did not make itself out to the public. That universe. I don't. I doubt any of you had heard about this. I mean, there were wild iterations over the last several months. I had first heard Lloyd Pierce would take over. And again, this is just speculation. This is what people behind the scenes and beyond the Pacers were talking about. Oh, is it Lloyd Pierce taking over? At the end of the season, it was Ronald Norad. And then I had even heard, see if they can get Brad Stevens back. Maybe they can allure him back, which I just laugh at because I know to be a fact. He's not looking to get back into coaching anytime soon, if at all. But that's where these things take on a life of their own. But it's behind the scenes. It's not in the public. It's not on local TV. It's not even on debate shows. 
I didn't bring it up. That's why I didn't write about it. And, but I did check in with Rick before the final home game of the season. One last time. I, go, I asked Rick on the side specifically because I didn't want you know, Pacers.com and TV cameras and others to hear the question and the answer and then maybe turn it into something or maybe write about it when nothing needed to be. Um, and that type of thing. I asked him, you know, is this going to be a last home game? And he laughed and sternly said no. Kind of gave me an incredulous look. Then I never said anything about it. This was a conversation piece in my world, and that was about it with others. But others had mentioned my uh, radio hit to Rick, to Kevin, and so that practice, uh, Rick uh, sternly had a lot to say. I think he talked for like eight minutes uninterrupted and made clear that he is here to coach, and I don't doubt that. I think he finally felt compelled to go on the record about it. He he'd made clear to me, oops, hello, Siri, behind the scenes, he had to say, no, this is not true several times to me, national people and such. So I think he finally wanted to get it behind him. Um, and then on top of that, defend his boss a little bit. So that's what that was. Hopefully that's the last I have to talk about it. But I think because they brought it to light and we talked about it, I think I needed to address that. So maybe you're in the loop and have a fully understanding. Because again, I tease at the be- very beginning of every podcast. This is where I take you behind the scenes and tell you what you need to know. So that's what I'm doing in this case. If I was a fan, I'd still be kind of confused about what exactly happened and why he did this and what was said. Um, I will say, personally, I was a little disappointed about all of it in the big picture, too, because four players that day had life-changing moments. Terry Taylor, Dwayne Washington Jr., they just that day they had signed standard NBA deals. It was a long time coming for them. They knew it was coming, but they finally had their moment. Gabe York, Nate Hinton, they signed two-way contracts that day. But instead of writing about any of those guys, I spent all day transcribing Rick and that conversation, fielding phone calls from other local media members and national guys who were unsure about what this was all about. Um, So I really haven't had time to write about that lately. Now, Gabe especially, by the way, has an amazing story, and I'll write about that soon on Fieldhouse Files to, again, give you full background details and stuff that's just captivating. you got to love these guys' stories. Um, He was one of the best shooters in the G League this season, and uh, it was a really good story with him, and I'll get to that hopefully here soon. All right, uh, this is going way longer than I had hoped for kind of a catch-you-up episode. But nonetheless, let's wrap it up. A couple more things I want to get to. First of all, the playoffs, and it's weird. Again, the Pacers not in it for the second year in a row after that incredible stretch of reaching it 25 of 31 years. A couple guys that are very motivated right now by what they're seeing is Tyrese Halliburton and Buddy Heald. Neither one of them have participated in the playoffs. Long drought going on for Buddy Heald. They are motivated to make that change. And one area where you see that being so beneficial to these guys individually and team-wise is the national coverage. It's playing on the big stage. It's being the only game going on that night or the only one going on during that window, right? There's maybe a game at 7.30 and another one at 10 o'clock. Pacers don't get that attention. I think they ultimately had maybe three national TV games this season, including their last one against Brooklyn, which was just laughable. You knew that was going to be a blowout. You knew it wasn't going to be a fun game. But because of Brooklyn and the sexy appeal of Kyrie and Durant and what was Harden, but then Ben Simmons uh, changed things. But nonetheless, Pacers and, and some of their players could really benefit from that big stage, both in terms of coverage, but also I think it's a different level of play. It's a different performance, a different kind of competitiveness. You're seeing guys rise to the moment right now, especially in Memphis. 
an incredibly fun team to watch. And by the way, I still I love the athletics, still very disappointed though. How are three of the most interesting teams not covered with a beat writer right now? Phoenix Suns, best record in the league. Miami Heat, nothing. They went to the finals two years ago. Very interesting. And then Memphis, they have, I think, everybody behind them right now. They've been fun, and there's no beat writer covering them from day to day. That's something behind the scenes with my media friends I'm talking a lot about. But I would devour every story and feature about all those teams right now. I would love to get a behind-the-scenes account about what makes any of those three teams tick or individual profiles. Some beat writers are doing some good stuff there. I prefer uh, you know, that, that format and such, and I'm already paying for that platform, so I would get all stories. That was a journalism question. I'm a sports media nerd. Let's get back to basketball. Um, speaking of Miami, by the way, Victor Oladipo who just turned 30. Why? Oh, speaking of birthdays, by the way, this month, there's a run of Pace, former Pacers with birthdays this month. Maybe I'm a nerd. Maybe I'm just thorough with my job, but I still have all their birthdays in my calendar. And so you have Paul George turning 32. Does that make you feel old? How about this? Though his firstborn, his daughter, Olivia, turned eight this week. Unbelievable. George Hill celebrated a birthday. But uh, good to see Victor back on the stage. I think he's got some clarity on his life. Tightened his circle a little bit. That was badly, badly needed which I, I touched on in a recent story on Fieldhouse Files. Still, I think he's got work to do, but he's made progress. He's definitely a different person um, than he was three, four, five years ago when he first showed up in Indy uh, and played for the Pacers again in, what, 2017. Uh, but I think he's wisely got some clarity on himself and his situation. And He'll be an unrestricted free agent this offseason, so I wish him the best. Do you have a rooting interest in this postseason right now? I wonder. Uh, I did write basically a perspective for every team. But these are the two I think you should pick if you want the most Pacer connections. In the East, and this is looking unlikely, but it would be the 76ers. Dan Burke on the bench. Peter Denwitty, a local guy in the front office uh, who was with the Pacers for a couple decades. Went to Cathedral and then IU. Uh, George Niang, second-round pick of the Pacers, one of the nicest guys in the league. Kevin Johnson, KJ, he's the head athletic trainer. He's from Indy, went to Indiana State, worked for the Pacers in the mid-'90s. So I think that would be a team if you truly have no rooting interest, but you want one. On the Western Conference side, your first thought might be to go out West. Jalen Smith's old team, where Torrey Craig and see Chris Paul have success. Everybody got to like what we're seeing from Monty Williams. But I, I think it's got to be Memphis. They're the hot team. They're the cute team, the, the lovable. They're the golden retriever that everybody wants to see and play with. And you got John Moran, obviously, a young team. By the way, not dissimilar to what the Pacers are trying to do, is to make and hit big with their top pick, build a young core, and grow. And talking about Duarte, Isaiah Jackson, Tyrese Halliburton. Memphis has Jaron Jackson Jr. who spent time at Park Tudor. John Kochar, who played at, what, Purdue-Fort Wayne. David McClure, Joshua Henderson, they're on the bench. Those are former coaches, player development, video guys with the Pacers, so I wish them well. By the way, it was cool to see O'Shea Brissett. He was in Phoenix, attended a Pacer, or not a Pacer game, a Suns game this week to support his buddy and former teammate, Tory Craig. One other note I do want to mention is how Indy will not host the Big Ten men's and women's basketball tournaments for at least the next two years, 23 and 24, uh, which this is beneficial to the Pacers at Gamebridge Fieldhouse because it means they don't have conflicts during those two 
long weeks uh, for the men's and women's basketball tournaments. For example, the Pacers this last season had one home game over uh, a six-game stretch. They had two home games over a three-week stretch. The first three weeks of March, just because of the conflicts. They had hosted both tournaments each of the last three years. They've hosted the women's tournament the last seven years, but they did not bid on either tournament. And I think it's been made clear by the Big Ten that, that moving forward, they really want to host both tournaments in the same city. And because the Pacers, uh, or Gainbridge Fieldhouse more specifically, could not, they were kind of out of the running there. They didn't really make a bid there, so it's not like they lost. They just weren't up for it. So uh, in two years, 2024, both events will be up in Minneapolis, which I think will be a very interesting one-off. I could see it being a potential home for the women's tournament. Great support up there for the women's game. Don't think that's a good landing spot for the men's tournament. All right, well, future podcasts, I do want to get more in-depth about the offseason, decisions that have to be made, options picked up, contracts guaranteed, maybe contract extensions to be considered. But I felt like this was a good catching up with you episode. And it's I was hoping to go 20 minutes. It's over 30 now. But I want to get back to doing interviews as well. So I will do that on the next episodes. Do you have any guest requests? If you do, let me know, especially if it's the beyond the obvious with the players or coaches. Like, for example, moving forward, I'm going to have the PA announcer on. What was that like for them? A couple of new ones. Uh, how about DJ Bandcamp, the, the main DJ at Pacer Games? He's the song you hear to end and start each of our episodes. Um, but the key dates you need to know here as we head out, May 17th, in less than a couple of weeks, the draft lottery. That's where we'll find out the exact order, and then we'll know the, the full order of the draft, which is set for June 23rd in Brooklyn. We'll have the combine at the same time of the draft lottery. In a couple weeks from now, I will be there and providing coverage for you at fieldhousefiles.com. Then we'll get into summer league shortly after that uh, in that second week of July. That's July 7th to the 17th out in Vegas. And, of course, I'll be there as well. Contract situations that we will discuss in future episodes. Right now, the team has... 11 players under contract. Three of those are non-guaranteed deals. So Shaber set Dwayne Washington Jr. and Terry Taylor. Then there's five guys that will be free agents this summer. T.J. Warren, Jalen Smith. And by the way, if you haven't read my story, do that uh, about his unique situation, why he is an unrestricted free agent after just two years. The Lance Stevenson decision, I'll get much more into that. And by the way, I'll have something on Lance very soon that you will want to read. I do include Ricky Rubio amongst that group of five names, as well as Justin Anderson, because I know Rick Carlisle likes him. They have a great relationship, and I wouldn't be surprised for him to be back. He was, by the way, named first-team All-G League for his efforts this season. And among those 11 players under contract, I'm not including uh, the guys that finished this season on two-way deals, Gabe York and Nate Hinton, because uh, Pacers could move on from them and and figure out what they want to do with their two-way deals. Those are always flexible um, but those are two more names to be discussed and that i will write about Woo! that was a lot good to be back i appreciate those that have supported my work read it followed it follow me on social media whatever don't forget to check me out at fieldhousefiles.com if you have not already i have a both paid and free stories paid is going to get you all access and i have a lot of good stuff coming for just five dollars a month to you. Anyways, that will wrap up this episode, and you better believe I'll talk to you again soon. <laughs>